This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. I'm going to ask a question of you in this time together that God asked me. And uh, he asked me in the middle of the night. And I want to say, first of all, in case you think I'm really holy and really spiritual, that God wakes me in the night with like, words and prophecies and dreams. I think God speaks to me at night for one reason and one reason alone, and that's because it's the only time he knows my mouth is closed and he can get a word in. And so I think God's like, she's quiet. This is good. I can actually tell her something. So I've learned to keep a notepad and pen by my bed just in case I have those thoughts that I know it's kind of God grabbing my attention. And so this is how this came about, and the context of how it came about, I think, is also important for some of you to hear, because there are times in all of our lives when we get really busy, and there's a lot of demands, and I was in a season where there was just a lot going on, and there was a lot of demands, and there was a lot of opportunity, and it was all good, but it wasn't necessarily all God. And I think God was trying to get my attention in a season when I was making a lot of decisions, to remind me of the reason why I should make decisions. And so maybe this question is going to visit you in the same season of your life, in the season of the church life. And I think this question has to be something we keep coming back to time after time after time. And the question God asked me was this, Charlotte, who are you in line for? I didn't even understand the question when God asked me it. And so in the morning with caffeine, I thought, well, I'll revisit this question. And to be honest with you, in the morning when I revisited the question, I didn't even like the question. Because who likes standing in line? No one. I don't want to stand in line for nothing. I want to be served now. I want to be fed now. I want to be seen now. I don't want to be in line. So I was like, God's asking me, first of all, to do something I don't want to do, which is get in line. But then even more than that, the question was, who am I in line for? So it wasn't even about me being in line for me. It was about me being in line for someone else. So I began to think about a trip we'd recently taken that is near where you all live, a trip to somewhere where I'd spent a lot of money to stand in line all day long, a place owned by a mouse, a very rich mouse, might I add. And we had just come back from a trip to Disney where we'd spent all day in lines. We had paid to stand in line, and I cast my mind to our time in Disney and began to realize that Disney knows how frustrated we get about being in line, and so they've created a two-line system. There's a line that you get in with your family and with your children, and you line up for the ride. But then off to the left, there's a secondary option. And the secondary option is called the single rider line. And the whole concept behind the single rider line is if you are willing to ditch your family... Say, see you later to the friends you said you'd come to have the day with. You can have the experience all by yourself right now. You can go round and round and ride that thing till you want to vomit. You can have a single rider experience. And I began to think about the church. And I began to think about how we've kind of tried to create a two-line system in church. How our impatience and our selfishness has demanded a second line be open. A single rider line. Because I don't necessarily want to hang with the family. And I don't necessarily want to be with the group. I actually just want to come and get my blessing and my prayers met. 
and my needs and my situation counseled and then I have other things to do so I don't have time to hang with the group while you all get yours. I need to get mine now and then I have dinner booked at a restaurant so I need to be out of here because I'm on a single rider experience. And I began to think about how we can church hop. If we don't get what we want in one church, I'll just go to another church because it's not about the group, it's about me. And how we begin to live our lives detached when God said we should live as community. And how we view the church as just a social option if I feel like it rather than a planting so I can flourish. And how we've begun to have language that justifies our single rider experience. And I do do church online or I don't have time to actually physically show up or I just give but I don't serve. And, And how we began to justify single rider when there's nothing about serving God that is a single rider experience. And then I began to think about the arrival of my children and how my children have changed everything about me being in line. Because now the arrival of my children has actually meant for me, I get in lines that are of no benefit to me whatsoever. No benefit at all. I've stood in line for hours to meet a princess that's not even a real princess. She's a complete phony. She doesn't have a kingdom. She doesn't have a castle. She doesn't have anything. But the reason why I stood in that line for hours was not for my benefit, but was for my little girl that was holding my hand, that had a dream in her heart, that if I refused to get in that line, she couldn't have the dream realized. And I thought about all the times I'd stood in line to meet the fake and the phony in the red suit that says, ho, 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 who's going to take all the credit for my hard-earned dollars come Christmas. And I know he's not real, and he knows he's not real, but I've still stayed in line because of the kids on my left and right that want to meet that person that without me they cannot meet. And I began to think about the church, and not even that we should be in line for ourselves, but who's holding our hand, who it is that we are responsible before God for starts to decide what lines we stand in and the call of Christianity and the call of serving God and the call of building church is sometimes to stand in a car park and wave a car in when you don't even own a car. It's to get on your knees and pray for someone that you don't even know but you're in the gap to pray for them because they're in your house. You begin to realize this whole thing that God has called us to means that we have to get in line for others. And when you read the Gospels, it will all the time say, this phrase over and over again, that when Jesus came to town, they brought to him all who were sick and lame, and they brought to him the possessed and the lonely and the isolated. In other words, when Jesus showed up in the neighborhood, you did not come as a single rider. You didn't think to yourself, I'm going to saddle my own donkey and go get my own word and then go home for my own dinner. You went round the neighborhood and you got everybody. And you said, there's something good in town and you cannot miss out. I'm going to take you there. Even if it meant you had to put a paralytic on a mat, you did it to get him to Jesus. Even if you had to put someone on your back, you did it to get them to Jesus. And I wonder if the gospel was being written today and it said Jesus showed up in the neighborhood in L.A. And I wonder if it would say the same of us or whether it would say and they came in their cars with empty seats. And they came to hear their message and then they took off. Or whether it would say the church heard Jesus was in town and they knocked on every door on their street 
and they called all the friends in their phone and they texted everybody they knew and they said, you got to go to this place because there's a miracle and I don't want you to miss out. I wonder what would be said of the church today. And I think if we're honest, we've all got work to do. And the work that we've got to do is keep asking ourselves the question, who am I in line for? So I want to suggest to us as a church, as family, Zoe Church, that there's a couple of things we should commit to that should be central to everything you do and everything that happens from this place and the heart of this church and the culture of this church that we commit to so that this question becomes primary for us. See, when you answer this question, it changes how you preach because I'm not preaching what I want to preach because I'm in line for who God needs me to be in line for. Changes how you lead worship because you're not leading worship to sing your favorite song. You're leading worship because you're in line for that marriage to be restored and those people to be healed and that breakthrough to happen. It changes everything. So here's a couple of things I suggest we note down and begin to think about. I believe it's all of our job as the church, Zoe Church, to keep starting new lines. Turn to the person next to you and say, start a line. Start a line. I don't know about you, but I hate going to the grocery store with a passion. Going to the grocery store to me is just the biggest waste of time. Because in England, you can order your groceries online. They can be delivered to your door. And you don't need to be hassled with all the people in the store. And so that suits me really fine. But there's always the odd occasion when I go to the cupboard and the cupboard is bare. And I realize I'm going to have to go to the store. And I think when I have to go to the store, it's like a memo goes out to the entire neighborhood that says, Charlotte is going to the store. Stop what you are doing. Get in your vehicle. Go to the store now. Take everybody in your household with you, for this will wind her up greatly. Because I have never, ever been to the store when it is empty. I have never been to the grocery store when it's serene and peaceful and the music is playing and the special offers on the aisles and no one is fighting over them. When I go to the store, everybody is there in meltdown mode. On aisle three, there is a domestic over kale or quinoa. On aisle four, there are kids having a tantrum in the aisle. On aisle six, there is a breakage and a spillage. And then I round the corner with my cart. I just need a few things. And I round the corner and behold, I show you a sea of chaos where everybody has carts overflowing and there's not enough people to take care of all the people with carts. Now at that point, you have two choices. The first choice is you're a good Christian because good Christians, they are upset. Yes, they are impatient, but they do not verbalize. So you pull your cart in line and you tap your holy foot, letting everyone know you are wholly unpleased at the situation. And you keep looking at your watch and you roll your eyes and you deeply sigh. But you didn't say anything. Or you can take the second option, which is what I do. What I do is I look for a young man because pride's involved in what's about to happen and the guys are more susceptible to this than the girls. So I look for a young man that works at the store, like recently. And you know the way that you know that they've recently worked at the store? Their uniform's pressed. They have their name badge. Like, they're not disillusioned yet with the organization. They're like, I got a job. So you find that person, you're like, ha-ha. And I go up to that young man. I say, young man. He says, yes, ma'am. I say, I know there is leadership in you. <laughs> this star have not acknowledged it yet. 
But I know there is greatness in you. And today, you're going to reveal your greatness. Follow me. And now, because he's a little scared of the crazy lady, he follows me. And I show him all the people with their carts. And I say, behold, we have a problem. You're going to solve this problem. Go find someone with the higher power of the register and bring them to me. Now his pride's at stake, so off he goes, finds someone, brings them back, and I take my cart, and we go in front of all the other suckers, I mean customers, and we start a new line, and everyone's looking at me like, you are the hero. I'm like, I know, follow me, you will be served. Why? Because when you start new lines, more people can be served. Hello? And it's the job of the church to keep starting new lines so more people can be served. Why do you have Valley Campus? Because we don't have anything else to do. No, because you're starting a new line so people down in that area can be served. Why do you plant more churches? Because we're starting new lines so more people can be served. And, and you have two options as a church. You either stand in line and you say to yourself, but you don't verbalize it. You tap your foot and you go, you know what? There's not enough people in this church that take care of the kids. Wow. Took me 10 minutes to regi register my kids at Zoe Campus this morning. I miss my latte because I don't have enough people volunteering. You can stand in line and complain and tap your foot spiritually. Or you can say, you know what? There's not enough people in kids' church. I'm going to start a new line. I'm going to sign up to be on a serve team. I'm going to help serve more customers. I'm going to help solve the problem. You can say, well, there's just not enough people in this church to, you know, pray over those things and pastor those people. And you can say, you know, I think I'll go try somewhere else. Or you can say, maybe they need more people, so I'm going to start a new line and sign up for a team. We had a serve day yesterday, Zoe Serve Summit, first team day. And if you weren't there, my challenge to you is maybe you're going to get in line this year and answer that question, which means that you're going to have to be there next year because you're going to have to be trained because of all the people you're in line for. When you start a new line, everything changes. You can't complain because you're too busy serving people. You haven't got time to sit back and criticize the church because you're too busy running a register to help more people find their breakthrough in church. There was a woman in the Bible that got Jesus to open a new line. He wasn't even planning to open this line. She was a Canaanite. She wasn't even on the list of people to serve that day. And she came in Matthew 15, and this Canaanite woman came, and she cried out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter, that's who I'm in line for. She's demon-possessed. She's suffering terribly. And Jesus didn't answer a word. And so his disciples came to him and said, look, send her away. Tell her the registers are full. Tell her there's no line for her today. And so he answered her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. So the woman came and knelt down before the Lord and said, but help me. And he replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Let's just pause a moment. If you have ever been offended in church, get over it. Like literally, get over it. Jesus just called this woman a dog. I mean, you can't refer this to the management. He is the management. And some of you need to know, the reason why your breakthrough hasn't happened yet is because you're stuck at the wrong side of your offense. 
God tests in us our willingness to start new lines, often through offense and obstruction. It's the red tape you are willing to push past that no one else was that gets the line open. It's the awkward conversation you're willing to push past that gets the breakthrough that no one else got. It's the willingness to do the hard work that others are like, it's too difficult, that starts the new line. And, and if you're living at the wrong side of your offense and getting mad that you haven't had your breakthrough, maybe God's saying, look, do what she did. Because in the face of that response, here's her response. Yeah, but even the dogs eat crumbs. And Jesus is like, girl, your faith just got a new register opened. Your faith just got me to do something today I wasn't even planning on doing. I'm going to start a new line because you pushed past offense. I'm going to do something for you. And heaven is full of things that actually a lot of the church have not yet got a hold of because they stopped short of the breakthrough. They took the no as the final say. When God's like, no, I need you to have the persistence to push past the no. They took, they took the rejection as the final word. And God's like, no, I had to push through re rejection. So do you sometimes start a new line. Secondly, God wants us to be those that stay in line. Stay in line. There's always that moment with my children in Disney. I know it's coming. They've chosen the ride they want to ride. We get in the line. We've been in the line 20 minutes. We've eaten all the snacks. All the drinks are gone. I've drained the battery playing heads up. We're like, we're out. We've played I spy. There's nothing else to spy. We're done. There's nothing else to throw at this thing. We just have to grit our teeth and bear it. And the kids at that point, immaturity at that point, finds its voice. Always. Not entertained anymore. Not getting what it wants anymore. Immaturity begins to speak. And immaturity will say, I don't want to stay in line anymore. I'm bored. I, I, I want to get out. I want to go get a drink. I want to get out of line. And in that moment, maturity wants to say to immaturity, no, 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 we need to stay in line. Because, see, if we get out of line now, in a moment, you will feel temporary relief. But we will have permanent loss. So if we exit the line now because of immaturity, all the progress we made up until this point is wasted. Because guess what? In two hours' time, when you see the ride again, you're going to say to me, I want to ride the ride. And I'm going to have to inform you, okay, but guess what? We don't get to get back in line where we exited. We have to go all the way back to the beginning. I'll tell you why church hopping is a really bad idea. Because every time you join a new church, you have to go all the way back to the beginning. Some of you right now, you're in line and immaturity saying, quit. Leave the marriage. Quit. Don't show up. Get out of line. It's boring. It's not exciting. Get out of line. And if there's one thing that will get you out of line quicker than anything else, it's those dreaded people called line jumpers. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been on the freeway and there's that massive neon sign? I mean, it's massive. It's not little. We all see it. It's flashing neon writing that says, lane ahead merging. 
Okay, it's not a suggestion, it's an instruction. This lane is going to become one lane. So buddy, get your car in line. And so all the good Christians, they merge. But there's always one. She's usually blonde from England. That thinks to herself, I'm just going to keep going a little further. A little further. Just a little further. Just a little further. Until you can go no further and you're now at the dreaded intersection where your cheekiness has brought you past all those vehicles. But now you need a vehicle to let you in because the lane is merged. And if you're the person that has patiently waited at this point, you know that there's someone there. And you know right now, eye contact is fatal. <laughs> don't let them wear you down. Don't, don't acknowledge them. So the scripture goes through your mind. Look not to the left or the right. And you just turn your Jesus music up and you focus. And the car in front moves and you move. I mean, you couldn't even get a pencil between you and the next car. And you're like, there is no way you are getting in front of me, buddy. You know what I'm saying? Because no one likes a line jumper. You should have done what I did. Who do you think you are? And you know what? We have line jumpers all the time spiritually that test us. Test your grace and your patience. You know the guy that joined church five minutes ago and suddenly he's been given a microphone. And you've been here putting chairs out for two years. You know the person that started giving one month ago. And you've been tithing for two years. And then they turn up at church and testify to a financial miracle. And you're like, buddy, that was my miracle. You got it. You've only given for a short time. What about me? You're a line jumper. Or the accolade or the applause or the appreciation that you felt you had earned, but someone else somehow got it. And you're like, what's that about? Line jumpers, they come all the time and they test you and they test me and and the job of line jumpers, when it's working against you, is to get you out of line. And some of you keep getting out of line because you keep thinking God overlooked you or God didn't see you or you weren't appreciated or the church didn't thank you or it just takes a line jumper to knock you off balance and you exit the line. But you've got to learn to stay in line. There's a guy in the Bible that had to deal with a line jumper. If you'd have asked this guy... Who are you in line for? He would have answered you straight away. He said, man, I'm going to get in line today. Not for myself. I'm getting in line for my daughter. She's really sick. I heard Jesus is coming and so I got up early and I'm going to go get in line. His name was Jairus. He got up early in the morning and he set off to where Jesus was and he had one, one mission in mind. I've got to get in line on behalf of my kid. I've got to get in line because she needs a miracle. I've I got to get in line. And he went and stood in line and the Bible tells us on that day there was crowds everywhere. And I imagine he'd been there all day in the heat waiting his turn. And finally Jesus gets to the point in the line where Jairus is. Finally, it's his moment to say what it is that he needs to the man that can bring the miracle. And so Jesus in Luke 8 looks at Jairus and he says, hey, what do you need? And as Jairus is getting the words out of his mouth, a line jumper shows up. No one saw her because she was on her hands and knees. At the exact moment that it was his moment, 
she crawled her body with an issue of blood underneath all the feet of everyone that was there. And in that moment, she reached out. And in that moment, she grabbed a hold of something. And what she grabbed a hold of was the hem of his garment. And in Jairus' moment, after waiting all day in line, suddenly Jesus is distracted by the line jumper. And the Bible says he turns away mid-conversation and says, who touched me? And in that moment, I imagine what was going through Jairus' mind. I've stood here all day. I've not pushed. I've not pressed. I've been patient. I have a need. This is my turn. Jesus, can you not just finish the conversation? I mean, who is this line jumper anyway? And can I tell you something? The enemy knows exactly when to whisper in your ear. He knows exactly when you're exhausted, disappointed, disillusioned, all out of ideas. And he waits till that moment. And right at that moment, not a moment earlier, not a moment later, someone came from Jairus' household. Right at that moment. And as Jesus is now dealing with this woman, the person from Jairus' household whispers in his ear this words. Jairus. Your daughter is dead. So hey, don't bother the teacher anymore. Jairus, get out of line. There's no point staying in line anymore. It's too late. Too far gone. Get out of line. He ignored you. Someone else got your miracle. You didn't get picked. You didn't make the cut. It's too late. Go home. It's embarrassing. You know what? You didn't get your financial breakthrough. Stop tithing. Get out of line. You know what? You didn't get thanked. Leave. Get out of line. You know what? The marriage is getting worse, not better. Get out of line. Right at that moment, Jesus pivots round to Jairus and says, hey, listen to me. Jairus, don't be afraid. Jairus, just believe. Jairus, she will be healed. See, what you have to understand is the enemy wants you to exit the line. But God needs you to stay in line. And sometimes what we have to allow for is that God's perspective and our perspective are entirely different. Here's God's perspective. Jairus, you're in line on behalf of your daughter who's tucked up in a bed with servants looking after her. But Jairus, in your moment, this woman has dragged her own body here because no one would get in line for her. No one's come for her. No one will stand here on her behalf. So Jairus, could you in your moment allow her to have hers? God's perspective. Jairus, your daughter is 12 years old and she's very sick. But Jairus, this woman has been sick for 12 whole years. The entirety of your kid's life She's never known a moment without pain. So Jairus, could you just wait a minute and stay in line while I heal her? God's perspective. Jairus, your daughter a minute ago needed a healing. But Jairus, 
now, your daughter needs a resurrection. You have not been denied. You have been upgraded. The miracle I'm about to do is on a whole nother level in your household than it was a moment ago. You have not been denied. You've been upgraded. Stay in line. Stay in line. Can't build the church with people that let immaturity have the final say. We can't build something that helps people if we keep exiting the line. They need to know you're going to show up next week and be here. They need to know you're going to be faithful and be in the seat and be here and be praying. People need to see a church that are in line for them, that are staying in line for them, that are starting lines for them. And that calls for a commitment from us. And finally, some of you just need to hear this today, that you need to get across the line. There's a guy in the Bible that sat by a pool in Bethesda for 38 years trying to get well. And Jesus comes by the pool one day and he says to this guy, what's, what's the deal? Why are you sat here all this time trying to get well? And the guy says to Jesus, well, I, no one helps me over the line. No one gets me in the water. So Jesus says, hey, today you're going to be well. Get up, take your mat, walk home. Suddenly he's healed, whole, walks home. But the Bible records that later that day, before Jesus went to the next place, he went to look for the same guy. He went and sought him out. And he found that guy and he said, hey, there's one more thing I want to say to you. Don't sin anymore. Because if you do, something worse is going to happen. In other words, Jesus wanted this guy to know, I don't just want you healed. I want you to live free. I don't just want you to step over a line. I want you to get across the line. And I don't want you to keep coming back. See, some of you keep coming back to the same line. Keep coming back for prayer for the same thing. And the power of God set you free. But your actions after that moment got you back in bondage. So you came and said, I, I need freedom from this addiction. And so God breaks something off your life. And then two months later, you go back down the bar with the guys that got you in the addiction in the first place. And you wonder why you're back in the same line. And God's like, I can get you over the line, but you've got to stay across the line. Immaturity keeps circling and circling. But to be honest with you, can I say this church is going to require you to say no to immaturity because there's growth coming and there's new birth coming. And we can't have immature people looking after babies. We need mature believers looking after baby. And by the way, by the way, maturity is nothing to do with age. It is nothing to do with age. I've met very immature old people. I have, making stupid choices late in life, making poor choices relationally, financially, irresponsible. Maturity is nothing to do with age. It's to do with your decisions. It's to do with discipline. It's to do with your surrender to God. God can use you at any age. You just have to decide. And this question is not one for the immature. This is a question you can only answer from a place of maturity. So I believe there's great things ahead for this church. I believe there's a lot of new lines that need to be started. I believe there's a lot of things that you're going to be asked to do. They're going to require you to push past where a lot of people want to exit the line. But you've got to not only have pastors that answer this question. You've got to have an entire congregation that answer this question. So I'm asking you, Zoe Church, that means you. Who are you in line for? 
And if today you're like, I'm not even sure how to answer that, then you've got some homework to do when you leave here today. Because who you're in line for means you get on your phone, you text, you say, come tonight with me to the six or eight. Who you're in line for means you say, I, I want to be on a serve team and next year's summit, I'll be there. Who you're in line for says, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to sign up for a connect group because I might not need it, but my kids need it or my marriage needs it or my friend needs it. It changes everything. Let's stand to our feet. Time's gone. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.